Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Okay, welcome to another episode of Latte with a Lawyer. My name is Jonathan Brickman. I'm going to be your host today. Today we have uh, John Mahoney, who has his own law firm in Washington, D.C., and he does um, employment law. And welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on board. Absolutely. So um, just to keep with the theme of the show here, um, what's your favorite morning drink to get you started? Well, I got myself a cafe latte right here, even though it's not exactly morning anymore, but I'm still drinking it from morning. Excellent. So uh, you're probably like me. I tend to drink coffee most of the day. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see that you're a, a native, well, not a Bostonian, but outside of Boston, Worcester. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to game one of the Red Sox Orioles series tonight in Baltimore. Yeah, no, I saw that. Actually, I was kind of, I was missing it because I lived in Bethesda, Maryland for 10 years and in, the, in the district. And yeah, whenever the Red Sox would come into Camden Yards, I'd go to the game. Yeah, I always like to go to the first game of that series annually. So tonight's the night. There you go. Get yourself, what do they call it? The Boog Powell. There you go. Sandwich. Exactly. Right. Brooks Robinson and Jim Palmer. There you go. Um, yeah, no, Worcester, Worcester actually has the, uh, didn't they just get the Red Sox farm team? As well? They did, yeah, the Woo Sox. The Woo so Sox. they just, their uh, season just started recently, like this past week. And uh, it's a great, I went last year, I, I took my family to a family reunion there at the Woosock Stadium Polar Park, it's called, and it was really cool. So if you, if you can't see the, the Red Sox because they're out of town, you can always go see the Woosocks. Yeah, you know, I, I was there when they were just getting started. My, my daughter um, looked at Clark University. Before yeah. she went to school, I, I really love. I love. Worcester's done an amazing job, sort of reinventing itself. It really has. I'm pretty proud of it. I'm actually supposed to go tomorrow. My high school is dedicating its new building tomorrow, and uh, also potentially going to the Celtics game one of the Celtics Bucks round two NBA playoffs oh, in the boy. Garden. In the Garden. I, I, I have to tell you, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I, I grew up in Malden. There you go. And we used to take the train and I could literally sit on the floor of the garden as a kid and watch the games. Yeah. High school game there as well. That's pretty cool. I've never, I ne I never played on the parquet. Oh yeah. yeah. I've yeah. seen, I've seen a few games on the parquet, both in the old garden and the new garden. Yeah. So it's exciting. The, the Celtics are doing quite well this year. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Knock on wood. They're going to go. Yes. All the way. They've got a heck of a team. For number 18. Yes. Yeah. So right, there you well, go. Good. You're, it sounds like you're a good Boston sports fan. Right. Yes, sir. Uh, Lifelong right, across good. the board. Good. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you do now and, uh, and how you got started. Sure. So I represent federal government employees and employment law matters worldwide. So I've been doing this practice. This is my 29th year of practice representing federal government employees in employment and labor law, uh, EO, civil rights, security clearance appeals throughout the United States and around the world. Excellent. Um, whistleblowers, is that part of it? Whistleblowers, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, 
Most federal employees are what we call Title V employees. They're employed under Title V of the United States States Code. And that, you know, if they're not a probationary employee, if they made it past their initial probationary period, then they have constitutionally protected due process rights to their continued federal employment that can't be taken away without, you know, due process. So, uh, and Title V includes a list of what we call prohibited personnel practices under 5 USC 2302B, which includes whistleblower retaliation. That's 2302B8. So yeah, whistleblower retaliation cases are probably a good 20% of what we do in terms of our litigation. You know, ebbs and flows depending on the administration that's in the White House, what, what is popular, but you know, some form of litigation is always popular regardless of who's in the White House. So. So it's uh, it's a fun practice, for sure. Yeah, no, I would imagine. I mean, it's been pretty active here in the last, uh, well, certainly the previous administration. Yeah, it kept us busy, <laughs> that's for sure. I would think so, yeah. Yeah, and now it's different, obviously, you know, with whichever parties in the White House, you get different types of cases traditionally. Yeah. You know, the, the Republicans, it's more discipline and whistleblower retaliation. The Democrats are more labor law and you know EO discrimination cases typically so so it's fun and is that pretty consistent over the years regardless of the personality yeah generally I've been doing this since George H.W. Bush was president okay. uh and you know I started in 1992 as a second year law student and uh, he was he was actually he was around when I came to D.C. from Worcester to go to law school at Catholic in 1990. So he was the first president I ever met. So oh, that was pretty neat. Oh yeah. Very and good. so, you know, it's it's pretty much changed. It's, it's the same, the Republicans wanna reduce the size of government. So you see a lot of reductions in force and disciplinary actions. And, you know, depending on how politically administration is, some retaliation for whistleblowing. Um, and the Democrats tend to be more pro-employee, pro, -employee, pro labor unions, yep, yep. so you see a lot more labor work, and they tend to be more liberal with regard to, you know, enforcing the equal employment opportunity statutes, so you see more EO cases and more, you know, labor law cases, and there's always a fair amount of, you know, security clearance appeal litigation, so so it's kept, a, kept me busy for almost 30 years now. Got it. How many other, are there a lot of law firms that do the kind of work you do? We, there's probably, there's like a half a dozen, I would say, and I've, I've worked at pretty much all of them over okay. the course of those 30 years. So we started our firm in 2014. You know, I left um, the last firm I was at where I was doing the same thing as a the partner and the chair of the federal sector employment law practice group and started my own firm. This is my second firm over that 30 year period. I had my first one from 2003 to 2008. And then sold, you know, sold that firm uh, and basically lived in Hawaii for a year on the beach at Waikiki, which was fun. Nice. And then came back and, and joined the last firm I was at and stayed there from 2009 until 2014 and then branched out of my own and started my current firm, which yeah. is growing rapidly. I just uh, hired my, my 12th lawyer. Uh, so, you know, it's a pretty good size for what we do. Okay. And, you know, I, I foresee we'll just keep growing. So my last firm had a dozen lawyers. This one has a dozen lawyers. So 
I expect it'll keep growing. And how many cases do you work on during the year? Uh, we have about 200 clients per year, typically. Okay. Uh, but now, you know, we're going to, we're adding, I just added two new lawyers. So probably another hundred. So in the 300 range. Excellent. So that, that's a big practice. Yeah, it's definitely busy. And the good thing about the practice is that because we practice primarily administrative law, we don't necessarily have to be, and, and against the federal government, we don't have to be licensed in the states in which our clients work for the federal government. So as long as we're licensed in one state and you know our office is located in DC, so I've been licensed there since 1994. And so as long as, we're licensed there and that's where our firm office is located. We get to represent people in all 50 states as well as every country in the world that the United States government has employees, which is pretty much every country in the world. I so, see, I see, okay, interesting. So it's a very unique niche practice for sure. Yeah, and I would imagine most um, firms like yours are in DC? Yes, most firms like ours are definitely headquartered in DC as the government is headquartered in DC. So that's where the, you know, the, yeah, that would make the, sense. Depart the cabinet level departments are headquartered in DC. So, you know, that's primarily where the business is. Okay. Um, so how'd you get into this? How'd you get first? I'll tell me about your journey. Like how, yeah, how did you so, law school and yeah. So interesting story. My dad was a machinist for a, a steel company in Worcester back in the day. You know, he worked there for about 30 years until he was 50 years old. And then his, com then his company moved overseas during the Reagan administration. He lost his job after, you know, 33 years of, of blue collar work. And so he had always been an active union official in his company, his whole career. And so, you know, I got to, I used to play on union ballot boxes that he stored in my basement, you know, jumping on from one to the other. So I learned the labor movement from birth effectively. And he was a big Jack Kennedy supporter as many Irish Catholics from Massachusetts were back oh, yeah. in those days. Sure. And so he used to tell me stories about, you know, in, in the early fifties when John Kennedy ran for the Senate in Massachusetts, it's like, oh, I remember this skinny kid who was actually older than he was at the time, but skinny kid at, at City Hall in Worcester, shaking hands, saying, hi, I'm Jack Kennedy. I'm running for Senate. Appreciate your vote. So he worked for Kennedy's you know, presidential campaign, 59, 60 timeframe as a young Democrat. And so, you know, he's he was my hero. My dad was my hero and Jack Kennedy was my second level hero. So you know, the interest in civil rights and labor law came from those two heroes of mine. And unfortunately, my dad passed away when I was 19. I was a sophomore in, in college. And, you know, one of the last things he said to me was, you know, you'd probably make a good lawyer. And at the time, I had never thought about it. I was in college as a computer science major. And then I switched to being a business management major and then i took on a politics minor and a and a philosophy minor and just caught the bug i guess in a, my junior year of college 
I took a, a business law class and a constitutional law class at Assumption College in Worcester, where I went. And, you know, the professor who did a lot of the con law and politics classes, Lenny Sorensen, who recently passed away, became my mentor. And so I started the College Law Society, which still exists to this day. And the dean of the undergraduate college had gotten his doctorate from Catholic in DC and said, you know, if you're going to be a lawyer, you should go to law school in DC because that's where it's at. Sure. You know, the seat of the government and the Supreme Court and everything else. So I was, I'd gotten into a couple schools in Massachusetts and, and Catholic, but his advice, you know, if you're going to be a lawyer, you should go to Washington, DC. I took that to heart and went to Catholic and, you know, got interested in, I had a labor law professor, Roger Hartley, who was kind of the guru of labor law in DC back in the nineties. So I, I became one of his disciples and, you know, the rest is history. So the first job I got was in 1992, I was a, a second year law student looking for a summer job and the, a, competitor firm, which no longer exists, actually, had been advertising a law clerk, summer law clerk job to do federal employment law. So I applied for that and got the job. And, and that's how it started. And I've been doing federal employment labor law for 29 years now, 30 years, if you count that, yeah. that summer law clerk job. So, so it's great, because, you know, I always it was hard on my dad to lose his job after 32 years. It, it ended up killing him ultimately when he was only 55 years old. And so I always wanted to work to try to protect the civil rights and labor law rights and employment law rights of employees and just fell into the, the federal employment practice, which is great because, you know, I get to do a lot of, I get to do civil rights employment law, EO discrimination cases, whistleblower retaliation, disciplinary cases, you know, security clearance appeals with a lot of the intelligence community agencies. So I got to walk in the halls of, uh, of greatness in DC and all, you know, all around the world. So it's been a fun practice, been very busy over the years and have done well in it, so. Yeah, well, there's been a pretty, there's been a couple of pretty high profile whistleblower cases. Were you part of those? Uh, somewhat so. I can't really talk about them too much because most of them are covered by, you know, settlement agreements that are yeah. confidential in nature. And I don't want the Justice Department knocking on my door. <laughs> that would be bad. No, I, I, I figured that. Uh, but th that's really, uh, that's really cool stuff. Very interesting. I mean, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. It's kind of a, uh, I mean, your story is kind of the classic sort of Boston story, I think, in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, really, you know, a blue collar kid growing up in Worcester, which is a blue collar town. Uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the, the manufacturing businesses went out of business yeah. around the same time that my dad lost his job in the, in the mid 80s. And I just kind of fell into, you know, I, I hadn't even thought about law school. You know, my parent, neither one of my parents went to college. So you know, for me to go to college was, was kind of a, a shocking development. Sure, big thing. You, so, so, yeah. so I think my high school, you know, I went to public school in Worcester. I think of, of the about 250 kids that graduated my 
senior class, only about five of them went to college directly okay. back in the 80s, mid 80s. So then, you know, I fell into that and then I fell into law school and then I fell into federal employment practice. And here I am 30 years later. It's a, it's a, it's a great story. It's yeah. funny, you, a funny thing, uh, Assumption College, I remember as a kid, I, I was obsessed with basketball. And I, for some reason, they were always on TV, the Assumption College basketball team. I used to watch those games all the yep. time. Yep, Rob Ke- Bob Kelly was a big AC <laughs> Greyhound basketball player back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and Holy Cross, too, obviously, you know, with Bob Cousy and, and oh, sure. Tom Heinsohn. There's, there's a ton of colleges in Worcester. Most people probably don't know that. But yeah, like, there's like 11 yeah. colleges and universities in, in Worcester. You know, right. in the seven hills of Worcester, there's 11 colleges. It's a very cool. I really, uh, I really like Worcester. It's really done a really nice job reinventing itself. It really and, has. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a cool place. The other thing I liked about it too, and I wish my daughter went there. In some ways, there was a direct flight. I live in South Florida now from Fort Lauderdale into Worcester, which is a great airport to fly. Yeah. Into. I never really flew in and out of Worcester, even oh, though it's I, a great airport. I, I lived there. Now I've lived in DC in the DC area longer than I lived in Worcester, actually, which is yeah. kind of weird. So where I lived live, in where do you live in DC. I, I live in Potomac, Maryland. Okay, which is right outside of DC. So I, you know, I've lived here since I was a first year law student. So I've gone. I've pretty much lived in every area of the metropolitan DC area yeah. over the last thirty years. But now I'm in Potomac, which is a nice town to live in. Very nice. No, I, you probably don't know. You don't know this, of course, but I, I lived in the district and I lived in Bethesda for 10 years. So I, I know the area very well. Yeah, I lived in Bethesda with a, in a group house with law students, our, our second and third year of law school in a white house we used to call White Acre, which is like for property class, we law geeks, you know, would always yeah, sure. discuss White Acre as the... the you know, the imaginary piece of property that you always deal with in property class. So we lived in Whiteacre and had big parties. So our neighbors were never too happy about us, but uh, it was yeah. a great experience. I love Bethesda and, uh, you know, yeah, I live pretty much right, right on the outskirts of it now. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I can picture it. Um, driving my kid to basketball out there and down River Road. I mean, I've, I've. Yeah, I live off River Road. Logged many miles through there. Yeah, I live right off on uh, Avenel, the Avenel, oh, you the Players the Avenel Club community? at the Avenel Golf oh, Course. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. Are you a golfer? A little bit. You know, I used to play a lot more when I was a student than I have since I've been practicing. But my goal now, now that I lived on the country club property, is to get back into the golf oh, scene. That's yeah, that's a nice spot. You know, as I head toward retirement. Yeah. So we've got a, a PGA tournament here the first week of may oh really El spargo blah 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 tournament no so no so we got a half price ticket to go watch the the tournaments on the avenel golf course so and i've sort of investigating whether i'm going to join the country club which is pretty close but you know it's a matter of whether i have enough you know i've got a three-year-old so whether i'm going to have enough time to really dedicate to playing golf <laughs> oh, with a three-year-old yeah i would like to but you know i've got a three-year-old i've got a wife who takes care of the three-year-old most of the time so yeah getting a free pass to go play 18 holes or whatever 36 holes a week is probably That's wishful crazy. thinking at this point but yeah, we'll see I, I would agree um eventually any other kids 
You just have one. I've got four kids total. Four, four. Yeah. Wow. So I've got, I've got a, my first is a graduate student at university of Maryland studying history. Okay. Wants to be a teacher. My second daughter, uh, Catherine, my first daughter's name is Jessica. My second daughter is Catherine and she's a journalism major at undergrad at Maryland. She'll be a junior starting next year. Okay. And my son, my oldest son is a sophomore in Montgomery County public school, high school. And then my three-year-old. So oh, very nice. yeah. So it's, it's, you know, I've got four now, you know, maybe get another one, have a basketball team. <laughs> That's the plan. That sounds like a good plan. I'm one of five and uh, there I, you go. I have two kids of my own. My uh, daughter's a sophomore in college and my son's just about ready to go to college. Yeah, so my dad was one of 12. Oh boy. So in Worcester. And so I've got about 50 first cousins from on my dad's side. See, that's the classic had, Boston Catholic. Yeah, so Irish Catholic, you know, 12 kids. Yes. Blue collar. I have no idea how they possibly survived. You know, they were born in the in the Great Depression. My dad was born in 32, 1932, and when FDR became president and saved the saved the country from the Great Depression and saved oh, yeah. the world from World War II. And, you know, Jack Kennedy came along and Bobby Kennedy came along and Martin Luther King came along and here I am. So I started my firm on the anniversary of Dr. King's assassination in honor of the civil rights work he did that, you know, I have the privilege of enforcing his Civil Rights Act of 1964 every day for a living. So it's uh, honorable work. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I applaud you for that. But it, it is interesting. I mean, you wonder how people, uh, I mean, all my, my friends I grew up with were, you know, Sullivan and, you know, Sweeney and they, they had eight to 10 kids. It was like, how did yeah. that happen? I mean, yeah, my dad, my parents only had two, my, myself and my, my sister, who is one of the up counsel attorneys at my firm. So, you know, got to give my sister a job, although <laughs> she earns it. She definitely earns it. She puts up with me. So there, you know, that's half the battle. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's it's wild because living in DC and being active in the Democratic Party, I, I've had the opportunity to work with Senator Kennedy, Senator Ted Kennedy on passing the Older Worker Benefit Protection Act in the in the 2000s, early 2000s. So, you know, growing up, worshiping Jack Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy and getting to work with Ted Kennedy on a civil rights statute was pretty awesome. Yeah. And uh, so it's a dream come true, I'll tell you. I noticed, I, I noticed that the other Kennedy um, is on the other side of the aisle as of late. Uh, yeah, not that, that, that's not the family Kennedy. The right. one no, that's, I know it's not directly. The yeah. yeah. John Kennedy is name. Yes. So, you know, a Republican named John Kennedy is kind of a shocker. It is a shocker. To the it? system, but whatever. whatever. <laughs> that's his name, so he can keep it. That's right. That's right. Um, all but, right. Well, listen, so let, what, what, um, what would be your advice today for somebody who's thinking about a career in law? Well, if you're passionate about, you know, enforcing people's rights and protecting people's rights, it's a great career. You know, I've, I've definitely had a very successful 30 year, you know, career litigating employment law cases, because it's something that had particular interest to me in terms of my, you know, growing up and in my family history and, 
you know, just listening to my dad and, and reading encyclopedia books about the Kennedys. And the, one of the more recent stories is that I, I got to go to breakfast at Sergeant Shriver and Eunice Kennedy's house here in Potomac back in the early 2000s when their son was running for Congress. So all those pictures of the Kennedy family I used to look at in encyclopedias, the originals were hanging on the wall in the foyer of, of Mrs. Kennedy's house. And so it was, it was quite an honor for me to, I just happened to be the first person to arrive to the campaign function. So I got to you know, have breakfast with Sergeant Shriver, who was ambassador to England and started the Peace Corps, and Eunice Kennedy Shriver, who started the, the Special Olympics. And so, you know, the sister of President Kennedy. So for me, it was like a pilgrimage oh, yeah. to you know, the, the Shriver house down the street. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And I got to, I got to speak, I got to address the, the Maryland um, delegation at the DNC, the Democratic National Convention in 2004, when Kerry was nominated, John Kerry from Massachusetts sure, sure. Yep. was nominated, you know, to be the Democratic candidate for president. Got to take batting practice at Fenway Park, which, you know, as you, I'm sure can appreciate was, was quite a, privilege and a pilgrimage got to hang out in the in the dugout and the and the players club for the Red Sox and meet Poppy and a bunch of other players and it's 2004 and that was the weekend that that A-Rod and and Veritech got into the brawl at home at home play at Fenway which I you know I take credit for to for breaking the curse of the Bambino because I got to go four for four in batting practice at home played at Fenway Park with my name and image on the center field really big nice. screen now batting John Mahoney really so for me you know I was with the Maryland delegation those people could care less but for me it was like you know next to seeing God I think oh yeah take batting practice in Fenway Park oh my god That's the crazy. year that the Red Sox broke the the curse of the Bambino and won their first world series so I take full credit for that <laughs> you should take some credit for that <laughs> although Poppy would probably take issue with that right maybe you should uh, let everyone know what the curse of the bambino is i'm not sure most everybody all right the curse of the bambino <laughs> is that the red sox traded babe ruth who had won a number of world series as a pitcher and you know both going both ways pit like shohei otani back in 1912 13 14 when the red sox won their first batch of world series and the red sox then traded babe ruth to the Yankees in 2000, you know, 1916 or whatever that was. And since that point, you know, the Red Sox went 84 years without winning another World Series, while Babe and the Yankees went on to win, I don't know how many they've got now, 27, yeah. something like that. So, you know, that was the curse of the Bambino that I helped, you know, exorcise in, in 2004 when I went up there and took batting practice Excellent. at Fenway Park. That's great. And yeah, the Red Sox have uh, enjoyed some success since then. So thank you. Now hey. I, know, I know who's responsible for it. There you go. You know, I, I did do I did do an exorcism before I <laughs> took my first. I did a little sign of the cross at home play. Before <laughs> I went four for four in batting practice. Excellent. That, Excellent. that was an awesome weekend. An awesome week at the DNC. I bet. I bet that must have been a lot of fun. It was. Um, that's cool stuff. So let me ask you, I, just to sort of round it off here, um, 
because the theme of this is about technology. Do you use any technology in your practice and what's your view on that? Sure. So we've been a virt- what we call a virtual law firm since the beginning. So we, we pretty much all work from home most of the time through our technology. We have a remote desktop server. Uh, all of our cases are electronic. Uh, all of the paper that comes in in those cases are scanned and, and saved in our remote desktop server. So, you know, we couldn't exist without technology. You know, we, it was funny, as I said at the beginning, I was a computer science major back my freshman year of college and then became a business management major. And it's funny now that I, you know, I run a law firm on the internet and, you know, manage that law firm on the internet. And, you know, so... And it deals with politics and it deals with constitutional law. So the classes I took as a, you know, from freshman year in college until graduation, pretty much, you know, are the basis of my career for the past 30 years, which is kind of interesting. That is, that is interesting. My mother still, I was a civil engineer. She still thinks I'm going to be a civil engineer. Yeah, right. Right. So most people don't really apply what they learned in college but that's good that you're able to you, you sort of put yeah, it just fell into it i'm kind of like the forrest gump of law practice you know <laughs> just accidentally fall into you know the best career ever yeah yeah yeah. i think eventually people sort of find their place in the world you know it, it seems like when you go going forward it's like this crazy path but when you look backwards it kind of makes sense i think yeah it does all seem to fit nicely into a timeline you know yeah. and none of it was really intentional on my part Right. You know, I, I had not even thought about going to law school until my dad said that, you know, it was one of the last things he said to me, you know, I think you'd be a good lawyer. I never thought of it before. I had I was working in a supermarket as a as a high school and college kid. Never thought about it until he said it. And then I lost him. And then, you know, it, the bell, you know, the light bulb went off like, wow, you know, maybe he was right. So and obviously he was because yeah. 30 years later, here I am. There you are doing well. Yeah. Living in Potomac. Living the dream. Living the dream. All right. Well, good. This has been, uh, been interesting. If somebody wants to reach you and if they could use your services, how, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Sure. Yeah. Certainly, you know, they can visit our website, which is www.attorneymahoney, M-A-H-O-N-E-Y, all spelled out, dot com. So attorneymahoney.com. Or they can call us at 202-759-7780 and we'd be happy to help them out and help, you know, protect their careers and enhance their careers as federal government employees. Excellent. Well, good. So uh, thanks again, uh, John Mahoney from John Mahoney's law firm, Attorneys of Law, which says federal um, employment um, law. And uh, this is sponsored by Emotion Track. Emotion Track is a uh, technology company that uses artificial intelligence that people use to gain insights for mediation and trial work. And thanks again, John, for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You bet.